0: Hello, I am Frederick Bell, CEO of Elemental Altus Royalties. We are a royalty company in the sub-billion dollar space, and we differentiate ourselves by having 10 producing assets, the highest revenue in the sub-billion dollar space, credit facilities from the major banks, and uh, a shareholder list that I think is uh, the envy of a lot of
1: smaller companies. Well, Mr. Bell, good to see you again. Um, we spoke to you not too long ago. We talked about the 2022 numbers, but now you're putting up the Q1 numbers. Uh, record first quarter. What can you tell us?
0: Uh, look, this is this is partly coming as a result of the merger with Altus that we completed last year. Um, and, and this quarter is in terms of, of revenue and adjusted revenue, which is royalty equivalent revenue from across the board. It's up 74% compared to Q1 in 2022. And... Because our G&A um, is relatively fixed in terms of adjusted EBITDA, um, it's up 140% um, relative to the same period. And that's what you get in a smaller royalty company like ours, where you can grow fast, is you get that margin expansion um, where you get revenue growth and your costs are relatively fixed. and. That is what we are starting to see this quarter and coming into next quarter.
1: Look, well, let's just talk about, I want to get the kind of semantics right here. Um, you talk about, you know, record revenue, you talk about record adjusted revenue. Are you just getting cute on the balance sheet or is this down to the kind of Casserone's, um project?
0: I, the, the, the main driver for us here um, is, is, is some of the assets from both the elemental side and the outer side. Um, and for example, one of them, uh, Bonacro Royalty, which is materially starting to come into the Royalty area this year. So we're predicting more revenue in, in H1 this year than we've ever had before. And in H2 next year, sort of ramping up full production from the royalty area. So it's, it's mostly organic royalty growth from our existing portfolio um, with some expected increases in production across the, um, the asset base.
1: Right. OK. And um, in, in terms of you mentioned the merger, obviously, it's, it's, it's happened a while ago, um, you know, off off the back of it was quite an eventful last year, a year for you last year. Um, what's it going to do for you? Because obviously you kind of um, I say it's been slow, a creative growth on the share price. Um, but you're going to make need to make some kind of big steps now to kind of kind of get noticed in in this you know um, in this kind of royalty space that you're operating in. There's lots of people of a certain size, you know, competing for all all the same projects. So, what do you do about it? What can you do about it now because of that merger with Altus? I
0: think the key is demonstrating some of the benefits from that merger that we've talked to for a while. And I think in in last year, as you said, we had a lot of one-off costs related to the the defense um, and then the merger with the company. And I think now that integration's happened. And so we've got lower cost credit facility and less debt than we've ever had outstanding. And um, we have uh, uh, more revenue than we've ever had on a quarter basis. And I think Q2 should be another really strong quarter. So for us, um, we've said that getting some of these assets coming into production and getting them into production simultaneously as a merged entity would enable us to demonstrate a lot of what we have been working for from the beginning of this company, which was to have a real diversified revenue base from, call it, a 10 assets plus spread across seven jurisdictions with 10 different operators, um, which really de-risk us. And in 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 Q1 and in Q2, um, I think we'll really see that in, in some of our results um, already announced and to be announced in, in Q2 at the end. Um, we're expecting another really strong quarter, and that will enable us to show, I think, the benefits of, of having a model that is you know, cash flow heavy from the outset.
1: Right. Okay. So you talk about um, having, you know, multiple revenue uh, sources from different jurisdictions is helpful. It de- de-risks. But in terms of uh, de-risking your balance sheet and getting that right mix of um, debt available credit, the ability to go into market when you want, might be able to move quickly. How how do you construct that? I mean, clearly the revenue is important, but what what else is important? So,
0: so I I think with the with the building up on the revenue side, we've started, and and we've spoken to this in the past. Is we've started to add assets in the pipeline, um, development pipeline, and and we did that in Q1. We did that in Q1 more so than than we've ever done to date. Um, and, and one of those assets that we bought a royalty on Pickle Crow, uh, they, they, they increased the resource from roughly 2.2 to 2.8 million ounces um, uh, following that acquisition. Um, and, and they've taken that resource from, I think, uh, 800,000 ounces a few years ago to 2.8 million ounces today. So if we can add in using our existing revenue, um, if we can add in some really good asset, quality assets into the development pipeline, um, it, it puts us in a really strong position continue growing, um, but to continue growing without as much dilution as we would have to take if we had no revenue and we had to raise money from the market every time we did anything. And it also insulates us to the extent that in a bad market, we can choose when we raise money and and we can choose when we go to the market and if, if, it, if it makes sense or not. And, and really, we're going to be raising money if we are to do new acquisitions. And so we have the ability to make that call. Whereas if you don't have positive cash flow, if you don't have revenue, you are, uh, I think, like a lot of the mining space, you are very dependent on sentiment. And as we know, that can, that can be um, difficult in the bad times when, when you're forced
1: to raise money. Well, I think we're in this, some of those bad times right now for a lot of companies. Right now, they're looking for alternative finance. And we talked about that last time uh, you were on. This alternative financing to them um, is when they're finding it very expensive to raise equity. Or if they're, you know, also looking at sort of debt, and you know, debt is not necessarily um, a, a cheap option for them, kind of pre-production. So, are you having, more, are you continuing to have more of those same sorts of conversations? Are you continuing to see more deals on the table at the moment?
0: Yes, I, I, that's 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 definitely the case, and I think um, it's probably something in, in common with with uh, feedback you might get from a lot of our peers um, that there are a lot of interesting opportunities on the table at the moment. Um, And part of what we wanted to demonstrate, and and, um, we now do it on a quarterly basis in in our presentation, is we have a slide on some of our historical investments and what we paid for it and the revenue received to date um, and and what the valuation is. And we've got from those producing assets, just focusing on the producing ones, uh, we've got, I think, two assets that have fully repaid us already and, and more. We've got two assets that have probably repaid us 75% since we acquired them. Um, And as every quarter goes by, the benefit of producing assets is is we can show that return that we have demonstrated so that then when an opportunity comes up that we think is a really good opportunity, we can take that track record of good acquisitions and we can go to the market if we need to raise more money and all we can use our existing cash and do it. But that again comes back to, um, I think, the approach of, hardest the hardest part in in this royalty business is is getting good quality producing assets the holy grail of the royalty space and if you can do that and you can do it in a way that over time you can demonstrate has been accretive, um and you can do it in a way that de-risks the company and and today i would say we've got less downside risks than most two billion dollar mining companies um, in terms of diversification um and in terms of our cost base and our exposure, which is to top line revenue, um, so for us to be able to do that as a two hundred million dollar uh, market cap company, roughly, um, to be able to do that in our position, really gives us a platform to grow from.
1: Okay, I hear you saying you want that kind of creative growth. and obviously, overpaying for an asset uh, with expensive money that you you, you borrowed, whether it be credit or having raised equity, uh, that's not the, the way to do it. Um, if you look at today's marketplace, you say it, it is kind of tough for some companies out there looking for you know, trying to manage their own, the co- own cost of money um, issues. H- how do you go about assessing whether or not you go now? Is there, is there always a right time or, or was there a wrong time to actually go and make these acquisitions? Because it seems to me in moments like this, this is where you guys should be absolutely going for it.
0: Yeah, I, look, it's, uh, it's, it's certainly busy on the BD front. Um, and I think it's it's always uh, it is it does it does partly come down to uh, availability, free cash flow, and investments. And if you have to raise money, what the cost of raising that capital is. So there is an interplay there. And um, one of the benefits as you get more scale and you get more revenue is you have increasing margins, which is exactly what we had in Q1 uh, record margins in, in terms of um, uh, actual free cash flow coming into the company in. As we increase that, we have more money to deploy into the market, um, and so I think uh, the best time to be a royalty company um, and the best position to be is to be in a, in a weak equity market where you have cash available to deploy, and that's always been our focus. Um, you know, if there's a good market and it, it, everything's very positive, uh, you know, commodity prices should rise, revenue will increase, um, and we'll do relatively well. But what we really want to do is position ourselves. For the when times are tough and there's limited capital available and we can actually deploy capital um into really good opportunities um when there are limited options on
1: the table do you think you've been able to demonstrate that you have allocated capital wisely Uh, on average on average you know obviously i think you know money's tough it's hard hard to call these things but do you think you've got it right enough times for you to go and be able to have conversations with groups who may give you the money to be able to make these acquisitions or do you still need a little bit more you know time um to kind of prove yourselves out
0: i think that's absolutely the case and i think that's the case that 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 rationale and and that sort of the proof is in our shareholder base um and i don't think we would have a shareholder base that is i would say more institutional than any of our peers um without being able to demonstrate those real tangible returns and if you go back and look at our first royalties to date uh quale we paid under a million dollars for we've received 2.3 million dollars to date um, mount pleasant uh we acquired for i think half a million dollars up front and we've received about four hundred thousand dollars to date um, and this is not including what the present day value of these royalties are um which for example in mount pleasant's case call it one and a half million um, and then you know you can go through the list mercedes with 50 percent repaid on and it's probably worth five times what we paid for it originally, and uh, this is exactly why we put this slide in our presentation, um, and it's why every quarter we can update it as we receive more revenue from some of these assets to be able to really front and center show investors. Look, as time goes by, um, these acquisitions um, we hope should look better and better, and um, and we should be able to. It's it's one of the benefits, particularly with producing assets, um, is we should be able to demonstrate that and. Uh, there's already been, I think, um, two resource updates across the portfolio in some of our companies this year. Um, We have been guided and a few of the operators have guided to further updates over the course of this year. And and what does that really mean for us? It means that someone else has spent a lot of money um, exploring and adding value to royalties that we have at no cost to us. And each of those makes our previous acquisitions look better. And so um, I think, It's why in the royalty space, you look at a lot of the companies that have been around, um, for 10, 20 years. Um, and some of those royalty acquisitions look fantastic. Um, but I'm sure there may have been some people on day one when they bought it, who said, well, $400 gold, um, and with half a million ounce reserve, it looks fairly priced, but fast forward 20 years at $1,800 gold. And maybe the resource is the same as it was then. It suddenly looks like a, a fantastic deal and, um, We have ones that have been ostensibly great value deals from the outset. I think that's where we really built our our name, enabled us to raise money um, and and build the company from scratch to here. Um, But also in some of the bigger projects we got where we really saw exploration outside. in them, I think some of the results that will come out over the course of this year Going into next year, we'll demonstrate that.
1: So your your revenues and your margins may be inflation-proof, may be market insensitive in, in, in that sense. Um, but in what other ways are royalty companies, you know, immune to market conditions, if at all?
0: So I I think uh, I'll probably say three aspects. I'd say the the inflation-proof is is probably a really key one, um, and and this being a topic in the industry, which is. Inflation in in salaries, inflation in costs, inflation in raw materials, and how that feeds through to the industry. So the gold price goes up by $200, say from 1800 to 2000, as an example, goes up roughly 12% um, or 11%. And and what is the inflation in their costs underlying? Um, And that may take some time, but that's that's where a royalty company has an advantage because we don't have that underlying material cost base. Um, Number two, um, I think advantage for royalty companies is, is when you can get revenue um, generating royalties and you can you know, build a, a real um, a sort of a defensive position. Um, what I mean by that is that if if commodity prices come up by 20%, that can be the entire margin for a lot of operators. Um, for a royalty company, our, you know, the whole reason we've worked so hard to get in this position is so that if commodity prices come up 20%, we will have roughly speaking 20% less revenue, but we will still be cash flow positive, and we will still have money to deploy into the market. And it will probably be a market that is far more conducive to writing new qualities. So that is, that is how we have approached it. And then I think number three, um, third aspect is, is, um, the, the leverage and optionality we get. And, um, there's, there's a whole range of ways we can talk to that, but optionality to expiration, optionality to commodity prices, optionality to technology. And if I'm an operating company, Um, it may take me three years and a hundred million dollars, um, to discover those new ounces and at what cost is uncertain. Um, and we have to allocate capital every year to it. If you're a royalty company, um, we have three years to wait, but we don't have to spend another dollar. And, um, if you are a gold bull and in our case, we have material copper as well. If you're a gold bull or a copper bull, we are about getting exposure to long life assets and our three core assets that we think will be generational multi-decade long assets that give you uncapped optionality to gold and copper prices. And if we can do that in a vehicle that is de-risked, that has revenue to cover its own costs for the next decade out, that is going to have more money to redeploy into the royalty space and be able to show that you've redeployed that money accretively. Um, and successfully, then I think all of those combined put us as a really attractive investment proposition.
1: And finally, I know you've been busy you know, putting together things with, um, with the whiskers to Altus and NSLs in terms of all the paperwork required for that merger. Um, but when would we expect to see the Q2 numbers come out? Will they be a little bit quicker than the Q1 numbers?
0: Yes, definitely. So um, look, Q2, typically we receive our royalties uh, a month post-period end. Um, so for Q2 ending in the end of June, we'd get our, our, our numbers internally um, at the end of July. And so probably six weeks after the end of the culture is generally what we say. So mid, mid-August, um, uh, six weeks after the end, we'll, we'll probably have our results out. Sometimes uh, we're able to put out a trading update, um, sort of unaudited, but a guiding to revenue numbers in advance of that. Um, and um, and uh, we may sort of, depending on, uh visibility we can get from our counterparts Um in some cases we may be able to do that. Um but certainly uh yes, uh expect our Q2s out um in 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 the mid-August period.